All right, Sooner Nation. So Oklahoma, they lost to Kansas. And today we got to talk about the truth behind it, right? Is Jeff Levy to blame? Is there specific players that just didn't do their job? Do you look at Brent Venables and say, do you have a control of your team? I think that's what we got to talk about today. We got to uncover this brutal truth behind what left the Sooners devastated in Lawrence. But today I'm joined by Cooper over at Unfair Sports. How are you doing today? Um, <laughs> you know, I thought about the – after the game yesterday, I was like, okay, there you go. And then I moved on to – I think I've mentioned before, I work at the uh, ABC affiliate here in Tulsa. And so I immediately was like, all right, so are we getting Bedlam? Because at least I can make some money on it, um, you know, selling the TV commercial – and uh, so, yeah, so um, I, I was not as affected as I have been in the past. Maybe it's because, like, you've seen this team just escape and the escapability of the team, um, had, you know, just was like, hey, listen, it's not like this just came out of the middle of nowhere. Um, all, of, you know, 2001 where, you know, or sorry, 2002 or three when K-State, you know, just runs us in the Big 12 championship. It's not like something like that. It's like almost like, hey, like, listen, you know, you're dude, what you're, 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 you're do what you're do. And so I was just almost expecting something eventually. And so, um, you know, again, uh, maybe this is, this is good for this team's development because you, you always play for one and oh, but then you also play for the conference title and potentially a national championship. But the overall thing that these coaches are better at, um, is the, uh, the, the program itself. So how do you have a plan, a, a one year, a one week, a, you know, one season, a three year plan for yourself. And how do you incorporate that? You know, where do you rob Peter to pay Paul? So let's get into this game because yeah, uh, PJ, I, I just, I just, man, this is, there's so much to talk about. And I think that, uh, depending on what the weather looks like outside is going to determine how I, uh, how I respond. It's cold outside. It's cold outside. I've, I've it been is cold outside. Dogs out all morning. So, but Hey guys, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, uh, give us five stars, jump over to Twitter. Let us know what y'all's thoughts are. And if you're watching this on YouTube, join the discussion, share your thoughts on this heartbreaking loss for Oklahoma, because that's kind of what it was. You come into this game, you have an 18 game winning streak against the Jayhawks. Uh, I, I was born in 1997, so I have not seen Oklahoma lose in my lifetime to Kansas. So that's uh, that's how long it's been since Oklahoma had lost there. And when you look at the stats for this game, uh, it, it seemed like Oklahoma just got beat. There, this was not last week where you know UCF had chunk plays and you know that's where you struggled. No, like Oklahoma got beat in this in the statistical category. Jason Bean, uh, whether it was I mean, I'm going to be honest, it was not Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he outperformed Dylan Gabriel in the passing game. Devin Neal, uh, Tawi Walker outperformed him, but. Man, it seemed like Devin Neal was just getting the big plays when they were needed. And then, you know, in the receiving game, obviously because Jason Bean outperformed Dylan Gabriel, uh, they outperformed us there. And so 
total yards, Kansas outgained us by three, 443 to 440. Uh, you were you were dead even in the turnover margin, three to three. But it felt like Oklahoma's turnovers meant more in this game than when Kansas turned the ball over. They outgained you in first downs, 25 to 19. Uh, time of possession, they won that by three minutes. And this was a sold-out game for Kansas at the beginning. A lot of people left after that rain delay, which was over an hour. And, uh, you know, I could, we can start here, but, uh, you know, Kansas goes up 14 nothing early. And you have this rain delay. Oklahoma goes into the, to, to the locker room. They come out. And I felt like Oklahoma had momentum coming out of the locker room, which is weird. Usually when you have a rain delay and you're the better team, that's not how that works. But they come out and they make it a 21 to 17 game at halftime. Right. That's what it went going into half. That's what the score was. And I felt like the rain delay did not slow Oklahoma down. And then they come into the halftime or out of half. And I don't feel like I feel like they made adjustments. They were the wrong adjustments because you were running tall. We just fine in that second quarter. And then I get it, whether he was hurt or whatever, you stopped really running the ball with him. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, Looking at the game, and I think, you know, this is where a lot of people probably want to start. Who's to blame for this loss? Is it is it solely on one coach? Is it on a collective people, whether it's Jeff Lebby and the players? You know, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I'll start this way. Um, there's been a lot of people who were getting after Jeff Lebby up to this point. And it was egregious. Um, you know, you would go into like the Tulsa game and question some of the stuff he had done. Look back in the last year, seeing some of the stuff that he'd done. I'll, I'll say this. PG, this, this team, and I said this in the green room, this is a good team. This is a team that is better than it was last year. Everything, the program itself is so much better than it was last year. Because they showed the graphic, we were zero and four in one score games. You know, last year uh, we were two and zero through this year. The game, fun fact: if you go to ESPN's box score, it's got the little chart that goes up and down on the percentage chance to win. With two minutes and twenty nine seconds left in the game, Ethan Downs intercepts Jason Bean, and OU had an eighty eight point nine percent chance of winning the game. At the 229 mark, PG, you're just you're just much better at this than most folks are because that's pretty impressive that you already had it up. But <laughs> two minutes and 29 seconds. So I go to you and I say, all right, Oklahoma, you guys are going to be up by a point with two minutes and 29 seconds to go. You have approached 300 rushing yards on the day. And all you have to do is hold the ball for a first down. How do we, what do we do here? What's, what's the game plan? There wasn't. It wasn't thought of. There was, I, I'm so confused on this. So this team is good enough to, and we'll talk about some other stuff, but this team is, it isn't good enough to beat Another team that is capable with multiple penalties, over 100 penalties, poorly timed penalties, um, dumb penalties, controversial penalties, you had 10. So if you're a person who says, that Candle Dolby tackle was bullcrap, 
Okay. I agree with you. Not the greatest call. The targeting on Reggie Pearson, not the greatest call. But you had 10 of them. You had 10 of them. There were dumb ones. There were egregious ones. There were things. This seems not good enough to beat a, a, a capable team or even a, a barely capable team. If you're fighting yourself, you're fighting your coacher, you're fighting injuries, you're fighting weather, you're fighting rain delays, you're fighting, you're fighting poor coaching decisions, you're fighting so many different things. You're that's a tough game to win. So what's correctable? I think that it's time to start questioning Jeff Levy. And I mentioned this to you in the green room, PG. There is no way that I'm going to listen to anybody come back and clap back at me and say, oh, of course. Uh, what college do you coach at? I don't have to coach at a college to look at things, recognize the things with the amount of college football that, that, that I've consumed in my life and continue to consume. The conversations that I have, the people that I listen to, I understand concepts better than a lot of high school football players that just have a bunch of talent, just go wing it. Hashtag Johnny Munzel. I understand better. I was almost hired to be a wood flooring expert at Lowe's because I was good at sales, knew zero about hardwood flooring. And most of you would say, well, you knew it was made out of wood, right? A lot of hardwood flooring is not made out of wood. There you go. But just because you're in a place of expertise doesn't make you an expert. You could have just ended up there. There's too many familiar symptoms. So I will say this. Where did it go wrong? Jeff Levy's play calling has a lot to do. I don't know how deep you want to dig into that. There were some penalties and calls by the officiating crew that were head scratching. The out of bounds come back in catch. That was nuts. The Caden Green absolutely doing his job to the best of his ability and slamming a guy called a hold. That's crap. And you, if you have to stare at a hold and really get down into, well, if you look at byline G, you know, Roman numeral 44, that's a penalty. If we're looking that deep, it's crap, right? So there, there's just too many things. There's Bill Beanball got the, uh, got the sideline warning penalty on the one where we had three personal fouls on the drive. So PG. There's so much blame to go around. I don't know where you want to go because avoiding a rant and avoiding eight minute long dialogue is probably what we're looking for. Um, but there's too many questionable calls to really dive into. And uh, so if you're, you're you're watching this after and you have questions, fire it out there. Let let me know. Tag me. Let PG know. You know, I'd like to address things one on one because I feel like there's about um, twelve to fifteen different things that I'd like to really focus on and. Um, some podcasts will go three hours. I, I don't. I don't want to do that today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to. I want to give my thoughts here on Jeff Levy because yeah. I agree with you. There's a lot of people last year, this year that have just been like Jeff Levy's not it. We need to move on. And my rebuttal to that this entire time up to this point was Alabama wanted him. Clemson won. I, there are so many other programs that would have taken Jeff Levy. Why don't we want him, right? There's obviously something there. Well, I mean, you're right. After watching this season, um, I said it when I recorded last night, my reaction video, 
Jeff Levy is just unreliable at this point because you yeah. don't know what you're going to get week to week. You have these really good weeks where he calls these stellar games. Oklahoma will put up 60, 70 points, which that's what Oklahoma should be week in and week out. That's how good this offense is. And then you'll have weeks like SMU where you only scored like, what was it? 28 points. 28. Yeah. And it's a head scratcher because your best player, Dylan Gabriel, you took the ball out of his hands up until the last drive where he had seven passes. Yeah. Yet Jason Bean, who Oklahoma, for some reason in the fourth quarter decided, oh yeah, we're going to make this guy throw the ball and we're going to go balls to the wall against the rushing game, which I don't know why they weren't doing that earlier, but to each his own. You took the ball out of your best player's hand. Nick Anderson only got one catch. Nick Anderson's been one of your most reliable wide receivers, especially since Andre Anthony's gone down. And the thing is, towards the end of that game, the last quarter, it really wasn't raining, or at least that's what it looked like on TV. So I don't know what the deal was. It's like they weren't, after that pick six, it's like Jeff Lebby got scared of throwing the ball. It's like he thought these DBs for KU were Alabama DBs or Georgia DBs. And outside of Kobe Bryant, they don't really, I mean, they don't have anybody like that. So I didn't understand the play calling of taking the ball out of Dylan Gabriel's hands. Then you get into the fourth quarter and you're not giving the ball to Tawi Walker, a guy that, as you guys can see here, 23 carries, 146 yards. This might be the best average in terms of how many yards per game you got this season. And you took the ball out of his hands. And I know they said he was injured or whatnot. Okay. Like, but then you put Javante Barnes in and not Gavin Sawchuk, who, I mean, he's looked okay these past two games. So and when it comes to Jeff Lebby, I, I don't think the answer is to fire him this week. I don't think the answer is to fire him at all, but a Jeff Lebby is going to get opportunities to go somewhere else this off season. Somebody is going to want him. And I mean, maybe at this time, it's time to let him go. Maybe at this time it's okay to let him walk. Then, 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 then you don't have the burden of having to let this guy go. I, I agree. And, and here's my, here's my comparison is Savion Bird. Savion Bird has plays where he absolutely will take a man's life from him, he'll take his soul, his will to compete. He'll take him away, but then he'll also have a head scratching play where he. It is a basic zone concept. He completely pisses away his assignment and allows a sack right up the middle. And the coaches say, we got to have more consistent play from our players. You throw in a Jaron Kanick. He is a freak athlete, an amazing player. The running backs. Amazing, amazing athletes, right? So we've got all these people, these players, and they've got these really high highs, these really low lows. And we watch the coaches and the fan base go, Whoa, this is maddening. This is maddening why we can't have Savion Bird play like an animal every single down. You know what also is maddening, PG? When your offensive coordinator goes full tomato 
like right in the middle of the game. There are calls. Again, I, I mentioned this before we came on the air. You've got middle of the game. Jalil Farouk, Gavin Freeman come trotting onto the field. We've seen Gavin Freeman this year. He had one great play last year, one great play this year, and everything else is just stuff. It's not highlights. They're not terrific. It's just stuff. It's just things that L.V. Bunkley-Shelton can do. It's stuff that Jaden Gibson can probably do better. So we see these plays, and I'm like, okay, I don't like it. They're in the backfield, and you're like, okay, if Tall Wee needs a break, if Sawchuck needs a break, why Jalil? Because how in the hell are you going to say, like, it's okay to put Jalil in there because we trust him, and we trust him better than putting Javante Barnes in at this point. But then fourth quarter, game on the line, Javante Barnes comes trotting out there to run the football for the first time in six weeks. A little egregious and, you know, overstating the the, the subject, but he hasn't played. So why is it okay to put him in fourth quarter and not do it in the middle of the game? And if Jalil Farouk is really who you really go, that's who I really trust in this moment, then why not him when everybody is hurt? So there's no consistency. The offensive line is another one that I want to talk about. You're running this out like a hockey shift change, like a line change. Because at this point, game number eight, game number nine, game number 10, you don't need to be running 11 guys out there on offensive line in competitive games. If it's a blowout, shift change. Sure, why not? But Walter Rouse got hurt. Savion just wasn't cutting it. And whenever Savion and Walter Rouse came on the field, it was not good. Rouse would trot off with his shoulder hanging, trot off. He was just struggling. In comes Jacob Sexton. In comes Caden Green. We move the field. We move the ball down the field. It looks great. All of a sudden, Walter Rouse feels a little bit better, so they send Savion and Walter Rouse back out. Pull Sexton and Green. Offensive line looks like crap again. And you, you started to say, which is really, really intelligent, PG, so I want to say kudos on this one is, when you're a running back, you are looking for a play scheme first, right? This is the play that I'm running. So when you're at home watching TV with your Walmart bought OU shirt and you go, well, by God, look at the outside. There's nobody over there. They can't just go off script because the, the offensive coordinator and the running backs coach have to know exactly what these guys are doing. And so what they say is you run the play. So if it's supposed to go between – the left tackle and the left guard, that's where you run the play. It does not matter if nobody is over here on the on the, the weak side of the, 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 the off side of the play. you got to run there. So how is that? What, where are you going with this, Coop? It means that when you've got 11 different guys rotating in on the offensive line, it does not give the running back the ability to go – all right, he's doing this. When he does this, that typically means this. There's no processing of information. It's just full reaction. And There's I don't no think our running them. Yeah. And I don't think our running backs, um, I don't think that any of our running backs have a full complement of running back skills in order to be the everyday every down back. Tawi looks really, really close. But guess what? If we need to throw the ball out to Tawi during competitive games, that it's not going to happen. Sawchuck has troubles with just pounding up the middle. Javante Barnes, somebody told him at some point, just run it in the back of your offensive lineman and it won't leave his head. So 
when you have these types of offs and ons it, at this point in the year, it's just, it's just tough. Now, Jeff Levy has nothing to do with what offensive linemen run out there. He has nothing to do with what running back runs out there. Now, if he calls a play call for Farouk and Freeman in the backfield, that's, I mean, that, that is his call. But as far as playing Sawchuck over Tawi, over Major, over Barnes, Caleb Hicks, Dylan Smothers, he, he has nothing he, to do with it. And that. I disagree with that. Jeff Lebby is the offensive coordinator. DeMarco Murray, Bill Biedenboe, Joe John Finley, all these guys are underneath you. Meaning, you come into this game and you need to tell DeMarco Murray, we're running this running back and we're running this running back. Javante Barnes can come in when we have a really healthy lead. But other than that, he's not playing. And if no, yeah. one of these two guys goes down, we can talk and reevaluate the situation. But I don't think there is this, I don't think there's this alpha in the offensive coordinator room that's telling, he's not being a CEO of, of his room. That's really what this comes down to. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's, and in game, he doesn't. Now, if they have that type of setup prior to the game, but that's where I have issues is potentially is Jeff Levy still, this is his first time on the big screen. This is it. DeMarco Murray won a rushing title. DeMarco Murray was in a Heisman, you know, uh, campaign. DeMarco Murray was in MVP conversations. So here I am going to talk to this three-star offensive guard that never was a good player. There's an issue there. Um, Joe John Finley. Joe John Finley was an average collegiate player, and he has risen up, and people really, really like him. And he's friends with Jeff Levy. But he's also friends with DeMarco. So I think that in a lot of the kumbaya, let's use these scars to make us stronger. There is still that now this goes back to Venables. Venables needs to needs to realize what's going on here. Because you also have um you also have Seth Lachell and Matt Wells on this staff too. And both of those guys, somebody needs to have a conversation and be like, we gotta have a hierarchy here because the, some of this is is inex, it's unacceptable. And like I said, it started off is this team is good. This team is much better than last year. If you're listening, you're like, did we get better? Yes. Don't be dumb. And if you think it's the same team as last year, you're an idiot. Even with injuries, you're an idiot. This team is better. But we cannot overcome stupid penalties, untimely penalties. We cannot overcome multiple injuries. We cannot overcome issues from the referee crew. We cannot overcome coaching mistakes. We cannot overcome simple overcomable situations throughout the week. None of that. We can't all at the same time not do it. Uh, Georgia right now goes out and plays Vanderbilt and does all that stuff. They can lose. Now, where do we go for the rest of this season? There needs to be a coming to Jesus talk between Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, DeMarco Murray. Probably beanball also. There needs to be. Guys, we have three games left. We need to go win a conference championship. This is how we do it. They there don't need to win to it. They need to dominate these three games. The thing is, Oklahoma could have made the college football playoffs and defeated. You still have a chance with one loss because Kansas might win out. Oklahoma State, if you beat them, they still might win out outside of their the loss to you. So... Your 
schedule might look better than what we thought it could be. Meaning, you go out there, you dominate your next three games, you win the Big 12 championship, you're still in playoff contention. Yeah. Yeah, and you still can. Now, let's bring up this. There's a camp out there that says, would you rather OU get left out of the playoffs and go win a game somewhere else in a New Year's Six Bowl, or would you rather them make the playoffs and get their ass handed to them? I'd rather make Obviously, the playoffs and get their ass handed to them because and, and here's, for here's recruiting. Because the att- attention, yeah. Because for recruiting, recruits will see that. They'll say, oh, well, Venables went 6-7 and seven last season. Turns his team around, gets to the playoffs with one loss, wins a conference championship game, and yeah, they lost in the playoffs, but that tell as a recruit, if the coach is selling to me, we're only a couple pieces away and you are a piece to that puzzle, it sells better into my head because I've seen that on the field. Yeah, exactly. I I think from a recruiting standpoint and from a notoriety, because again, even, and I don't think that this team is going to, go out and do what some of the previous teams had done. I don't think that this team in a normal year has any business competing with a lot of these other teams. The parody in college football is you get on the field, there's a chance. The, the, this year is a very, very bad year in college football. It's, a, it's an awful year as far as domination team, dominant teams. But so that's why Oklahoma, Oklahoma still has a chance today. Yeah. Maybe go out there and – this is going to sound asinine. There's, there's a reason why they still have a chance to go out there and win national championship. If they fix their offense and it gets back to some of the better games that we've seen this season, paired up with how the defense is playing and how the rest of college football is, I think there's two teams Oklahoma just does not match up well against. and It's Michigan and Georgia. So if you can go up against an Ohio State or a Florida State or somebody like that in the playoffs, maybe you have a chance to get there. It yeah, sounds it crazy, but I mean, it's just all it is is one portion of your team that needs to be fixed. And I said this last week for my UCF recap. Every problem you had in that UCF game, I can point back to the offense. I can point back to the running game. You fix that one thing, and Oklahoma probably dominates that game against UCF. And yeah, I think it's and, the same thing now. And, you know, again, another thing when I'm putting up all the uh, different reasons, the things that you have to overcome, injuries. Um, this team needs to get healthy. I promise you this, this team is going to continue to wear down. If this offense does not get its act together, it has to get its act together. This is not Dylan Gabriel because every, the offense is choking away. And then Dylan Gabriel does a normal human being quarterback thing. If you watch Aaron Rodgers, if you watch Tom Brady, if you go watch Josh Allen, they all make mistakes. Every one of them make mistakes. Every single one of these quarterbacks make mistakes. You can make mistakes, but fans, I promise you this. Don't let Dylan Gabriel's eventual mistake get escalated because of everything else that's going around him. Dylan Gabriel cannot help the running back decide which hole to cut through. Dylan Gabriel has nothing to do with the offensive line circles. Dylan Gabriel has to play the play, has to run the play. He has to. He's not going to bounce out of the play and be like, uh, no, piss off, Je- uh, Levy. I'm running the ball with Tawi Walker up the middle. He can't do that, right? He, and he doesn't, that's not in his character. So can Oklahoma go out and still win? This is Bedlam. 
I swear to God, if you cannot get up for this game and do not understand the magnitude of this game, then it, then, then it's silly. Aldi Gordon is going bananas right now. That is literally all they have. They do not have anything else outside of Ollie Gordon. You stop Ollie Gordon, we're good to go. I don't think that if, if Stutzman is hurt and can't play this game, I, I, I kid you not, I swear, run out McKenzie and run out Kip. That's a funny joke. That's hilarious that you'd think Stutzman might not play in this game. There, I don't hey, think there's listen. anything that's going to keep Stutzman from walking out onto that field. Except for a shoulder being held together by an ace bandage. Um, like he's, <laughs> yes. you got a bigger year going on. But here's what I will say is in competitive depth, even with the line changes, even with the running back changes, even with the linebacker injuries, Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis are extremely capable. This is not Ryan Reynolds, not Ryan Reynolds. Um, oh, help me out. Linebacker OU, Las Vegas against Texas. Um, he gets hurt. Um, Ryan Reynolds, good God. Um, uh, I'll think of it. What what year? I'll think. Uh, this would have been 07. It's uh, Reynolds Austin was the linebacker. Austin Box? No, no, no. It's Reynolds. Um, but he gets hurt. He leaves. And we have to throw out Tom Ward. And they continue to run that slant pass over the middle with Jordan Shipley over and over and over and over again. And poor Tom Ward had, had nothing to do with it. He couldn't do anything. Um, that it, there's that year and that, that type of thing with the linebackers. We didn't have anybody behind. Now we do have guys who can come out and play. And I, I'm frustrated because if you look at, Hey, listen, as far as the schedule turnaround and everything, this team can still go out and do some great stuff. There were close games, right? We barely won the AM game in 2000. We barely won, um, you know, we barely won Bedlam in 2000. It was a crap. It, it looked terrible. And we still went out and won the national championship. We can still do this. We can still go to the playoffs and still win. But for the overall sake of the program, here's what I'm looking for. Let's fix the stuff with the coaching. Let's have that tough, tough conversation. Let's fix that thing right there. Penalties. You understand that it is a complete – now, the Caden Green penalty, he body slams someone. If the ref's going to call it, they're going to call it. Caden Green, continue to do what you're doing. Do not change what you're doing. Kendall Dolby on the sideline, I'm okay with that. Bill Beatonball walking his ass out on the field when we're on defense, that's stupid. You need to come out, own it, and you need to say, I hurt the team, I apologize for that. Oklahoma team, needs one of those uh, dudes that they had at Clemson that keeps the coaches on the sideline. <laughs> I'm just saying, give somebody in the sideline or, you know, uh, get a crack sniper with a paintball gun. Anybody that walks out too close gets pegged and they'll think about it twice. They'll always be paying attention. Shoot. They just need, you know what? This would be a good job for some of these preferred walk-ons that, you know, uh, <laughs> aren't playing. <laughs> they Casey, they, they Casey, need to be your get back, man, at this point. Casey Don't allow somebody. So yeah. you got preferred walk ons uh, for Rocky Kalmus' son, Kason. Yeah, you are the backup guy for J. Valai. Um, and okay, guys, again, if I would have said beginning of the season, you are going into Bedlam with one loss, you are seven and one, one loss, and you legitimately have a Heisman candidate and a college football playoff championship appearance or uh, playoff appearance. Do you take it? We all say, Yes, I'm down. Let's go. Let's do it. 
I mean, at the beginning of the season, we weren't talking like this. We were talking, hey, two or three losses. You feel really good. You know, that's what we felt like. This, like, that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the season. Now we're talking about a one loss team still making the playoffs. Like, that's yeah. crazy to me that we're talking about this. Yeah, it, it, it is. So, um, you have to you have to overcome some of this stuff. Um, we only had 19 first downs. As much as we were running the ball, we only had 19 first downs. Uh, I believe Kansas had 20 some first downs. 25. Um, is the weather in in Stillwater as we're looking this up? Is the weather in Stillwater going to 69 at be, kickoff? Okay, so it's going to be better weather. It's going to be a 2:30 game on ABC. BS, so, BS. It should be a night game. I'm just, I'm, I'm ticked off because Oklahoma's probably not going to get a night game for the rest of the season. So, I still think the BYU game could be a night game, but, um, yeah, but, but I want one at I, home I, too. Like TCU Black Friday. That come on, you, you could have set that up perfectly. Yeah. Um. One, well, a Fox needs the 11A games. Um, and it's all about revenue and it's, it, it, trust me, listen, I have, I don't know if you guys understand this, but if you're a big company and you want to buy the OU game, you have Fox coming to sell your Fox TV rep coming in and said, Hey, we got Bedlam this year. We're, we're, we're claiming it. And here's why we think so. And then I come in from ABC and I go, Hey, guess we're going to have Bedlam this year. Eh. That none of that has anything. They Fox and ABC don't give zero craps about the economy in Norman or the economy in Stillwater or your plans on an October or November evening. It is based off of viewership. If we can hit that game right there, we're going to get really good viewership. And it's not regionally, or I mean, it's not locally or whatever. It, it's a regional deal, right? So Oklahoma is big regional. They both wanted this game. Um, I believe that we had a, a Pac-12 set up for the late game already. So that's why it's 2.30. At least it's not 11. At least it's not 11. That's because oh, so last Oklahoma year it was won't be getting too many more 11 o'clock games anymore once they get to the SEC. Uh, we sure as hell won't have seven. <laughs> um, and that's I think we have seven as of this year, right? Yeah. Uh, as of now this year. I think we have one game that wasn't 11 a.m. So – um, let's go with this. Um, all right. So wait, are, are we in agreement? Jeff Lebby was the problem yesterday. And if Jeff Lebby gets control of his offensive play calling, whether that's corral your coaches up, you, I think maybe it's simplify the playbook a little more. Stop trying to do some cute things like jet sweep. Exactly. Things like that. Right. You know what? Take a page out of Lincoln Riley's book. As much as OU fans don't want to say it, make your offense a little bit more simplified and make teams beat you. Because sometimes these simple offenses is not what they're expecting, and it's it's I, I don't know. It feels like it's hard to defend because Lincoln Riley's able to do it. So I, I don't know if Jeff Lebby fixes that problem. So I mean, is that are we in consensus? Jeff Lebby is the reason why OU lost this game today. Jeff Lebby is a reason. He is a reason. Yes. Um, Jeff Levy didn't, I mean, if, if you're going, you know, uh, grade school, A, B, C, D, E, or A, B, C, D, F, uh, I'm giving him a, a, a C minus on play call. And if you compare it to, and if you compare it to last year, I mean, to last week, you pair those two. And then the SMU game, SMU game, it, it reminds me of, and if you guys are Thunder fans, 
it reminds me of when Russell Westbrook kept on getting drilled about shooting the ball too much. And so what did Russell Westbrook do? Instead of making a minor adjustment, he came out and didn't shoot the ball at all to prove a point. One extreme to the other. Yeah. And so with Levy, like he came out against SMU and he just continued to bang his head against a brick wall. I, you said that after the pick six, and I'm just saying this, if any offensive coordinator in the country with a top 50% quarterback sees a pick six on the first drive of the game from your quarterback and you lose faith in him, then you had the wrong guy in the first place. And you're the idiot, not the quarterback. Now, pick six, Dylan Gabriel's fault, 1,000%. Oh yeah, he that, that passed down the, the receiver, throwing into the wind, across the field. Farouk even fought. Farouk even fought a little bit on the ball. So you can't blame Farouk for not doing anything. It was Dylan Gabriel's fault. They Is sat this on Dylan Gabriel's pillow. first interception. That's his fault this season. Like that is truly like we look at it and go, that's on you. Because I think the other three was receivers. One was Farouk not running the right route, and the other two were just bobbled. Well, yeah, like the Drake Stoops throw probably shouldn't have been because Dylan Gabriel has gotten away with a lot of plays where a safety has been reading his eyes and barely missed. So he, I'm not going to say Dylan Gabriel is, yeah, this one's finally on you because he's gotten away with several. Also, let's not forget that we also had a couple of drop picks Key Lawrence picks off that ball, and I think this game's different. So there's so much to go around. There's a lot to go around, but Levy, it, it starts with you, pal, because like you said with the UCF, it, it starts with the play calling. You're getting too damn cute. Just come out and run a simplified offense. Um, let's quit enough. Like you said, you know, they kept on talking on the broadcast that Ethan Downs brings up eye crimes. You run up to the ball. And then Gabriel does one clap, and then they look to the sideline. This offensive line needs simplification. Not, hey, we need you to run up to the offensive line, and we need you to sit over the ball for 10 seconds while we decide, is this exactly correct? We need option A, option B. We need a couple more simplified things. Um, and if you're not going to do that, then let's take away the jet sweep. Like, if we don't see Freeman run a jet sweep for the rest of the year, I'm completely fine with it. It's not working. And I think the problem is you're trying to run this complicated offense. And I don't really feel like you have the personnel to run no. this complicated offense because you're only in year two and you have new guys that you're playing. So it's like, I don't feel like it works. In yeah, year two. It's maybe, maybe it, in year three or four, but it doesn't work in year two. And it sure as hell didn't work in year one. And here it here's if you're breaking in a new Single offensive lineman with four other dudes have been hanging out together for a year or two. That's fine. But you're breaking in still. Walter Rouse has lots of experience, but he comes from a different system. And he's banged up today. The The left guard battle between Savion Bird and Schaefer and Caden Green. Which like shouldn't that be thing a battle. It should be shouldn't Caden. be a battle anyway. Caden Green should have 100% of the snaps unless he needs a breather. Yeah. Andrew Rehm is... I mean, if there's ever been a player who is – Andrew Rame is not a superstar, and he's not a liability. 
He's dead in the middle. Like he is just a good college offensive lineman. This has been his then, best season, I think. This is oh yeah, by far, by far. And then Tyler Guyton is a top 15 guy. He may still go to the NFL draft. If you put his film, if you take his film and you give it to a scout, they're going to go. I suggest he comes back for a year. But so do you think, do you think Guyton leaves or do you think he goes? Yeah, I he's think, still I think, I think he's, he can go first round. He is hundred percent gone. Here's why this freak is going to go to the combine and people are going to go, what, what am I looking at here? And they're going to look at the game film and they're like, Oh, he's just not there yet. Like, this is, I mean, like when you listen to, and you listen to people who know, they don't say like, this is a good potential starter in the NFL. There's people who are like, this is a hall of famer in the NFL when these things come together. So if, if he gets a draft grade of the first round and he ends up going, that is, I mean, he is going to be a top 15 pick. If by some chance he says, you know what, Bill Biedenbaugh took a chance on me. He brought me. I would still lay it out as a coach. You have to lay out everything for what it is. Is this a, if, if we get a, a message that Tyler Guyton is coming back next year, is that a win for this program? Yes. It may be the biggest win for the program in, in, in a very, very long time. Well, especially with all you're losing. I, I think yeah. if I'm, if I'm correct, you're losing four offensive linemen. You're losing Matower, Rame, Schaefer, and Rouse all to just, they don't have any eligibility left. I I, I believe yeah. all four of them do not have eligibility left after this year. Yeah, you're right. Those guys at some level will have a career in the NFL, whether they're first, second, third, fourth, fifth rounders, they will all at least get a chance. So if you get Guyton back with Sexton, uh, Kelly, Green, not to mention what you could potentially have coming next year in Bricks, Pierre-Louis, we know they're going to have to go hit the portal, which Keyshawn Blackstock from Michigan State's in the portal. We offered him last year. I feel like they need to jump on that train now and go get him because you were in his final two. Like, uh, I feel like this offensive line could be a good again if you can solidify your rotations and not constantly. This An offensive line is not like the defensive line in terms of how you can rotate guys out. The defensive line, they kind of have their assignments. They know what to go out there and do. They can improvise a little bit. The offensive line cannot. The offensive line, they need to have chemistry. They need to constantly be able to work together. And not, there doesn't need to be turnover on that offensive line constantly, especially throughout a game. Yeah. And so your potential and your your potential right now for next year's offensive line is a little silly. I mean, it is extremely young, but on the offensive line and defensive line, the storylines for Oklahoma is they have arguably the most talent from a potential standpoint on both sides of the offensive and defensive line, you're going to have two of these three people starting at tackle. You're going to have, and this is if, if Guyton comes back, if Guyton leaves, I still think you need, you need depth and you need one starter because if Guyton leaves, I think that you have Sexton and green at the tackles. I think that you have Taylor at one guard I think you have Bates and Everett fighting it out for center and you just need to find a guard. Brick. Right. And so bricks is bricks is potentially one of those guys who is a quiet Cody Ford. He's or the ben thing Cowell. is he's college ready out of high school. Yeah. So he's, he's in, in terms of the way he's built. So if he comes in here, has a good spring and summer. Yeah. Like he could be a starter for you. 
Like he'll yeah. come in and take somebody's job because he don't need. There's not a whole lot of like fine tuning his body that needs to be there. Like that dude's ready. Yeah. No. He's if bricks if bricks commits, and again, I got it because I think whoever he commits to, that is who he's. That's where he's going. Oh yeah. Um. He there's not going to be drama around him. And by the way, if you're dealing with one of the most downplayed, calm, quiet, collected offensive interior offensive lineman you've ever recruited parking a GD semi truck in front of his high school may be the worst thing I've ever heard of. The thing is though, Nebraska is five and three. Nebraska. I actually just made a video on this because Nebraska is five and three really quiet five and three and they might win the big 10 West. No, I just, they beat Wisconsin and Iowa, which they can do with that new quarterback that they have, Harburg or whatever his name is. All you need is Minnesota to lose a game. That's all you need. Yeah, I just ones and zeros in the win loss column don't tell all the story. I don't think, but I, it doesn't matter what the record is for Nebraska. He's seen what it is. It, my 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 message is more around the guy is one of the most reserved people ever, and you'd park a truck out there like yeah. If we're recruiting in 1996, that that means something, right? But um, but anyway, I when I'm talking about the starting offensive line, I completely forgot Savion Bird because Savion Bird is still the opportunity. But at what point do you say, all right, Jake Taylor, it's your turn? Because if we if we're going to lose our mind about Jeff Levy's Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, then and then Savion Bird, same thing is if you're if you're chasing the talent, most of the guys who you're always chasing for that spark that you often see, it's you can only do that for so long. And I think that like if you remember back, I don't know if this is maybe a little bit too early before you uh, got too involved in it, but. Roy Finch. Roy Finch was a running back. And I swear to God, if you ask the fan base, Roy Finch was the next, uh, God, I don't even know, Reggie Bush. He was the next one. Roy Finch, you saw things. Ronaldo works way back in the early 2000s. Another guy that you saw glimpses. These guys were not full-time starters and they could never make it to the field consistently because of practice. They had big blips. We need to see the blips go away because if you're Savion Bird, I, I, I mean, you got one more chance. I, I mean, I, and that's, that's saying that he doesn't get processed because that's an option too. Yeah. Now it's, Processing is going to have a lot to do with the transfer portal. If you've got a couple O linemen that are ready to come in, I will take a guy who can give me a solid B minus day in and day out, like Cade Mattire. That McCabe Tower, you give he gives you a B minus day out, day in and day out this year. We were begging for for him to come back in this year. We were begging when he took snaps last week. Everybody was like, "Holy crap!" If you ask people last year, they wanted Matire done. He had no business playing at Oklahoma, and that is the same thing with 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 Savion Bird. Is you got to find out from a staff: Do you want to bring a B minus every day on the field in from the transfer portal, 
or do you want to deal with the Jekyll and Hyde of Savion Bird? Um, that needs to happen. But that that offensive line next year is going to be young, hungry, and absolutely loaded with potential. Yeah. Off subject. I agree with you. <laughs> so, well, I think we're in consensus. Um, Oklahoma losing to Kansas was not – it was a game that we looked at and said, hey – that could be a game Oklahoma loses, but I don't think it's one we all expected Oklahoma to lose. I mean, you had an 18-game winning streak there, and you felt like Oklahoma wanted to carry that one out of the Big 12, knowing you were dominating somebody. So uh, I'm curious to see how this team – I think we're going to find out a lot about this team next week. How do you come out of a loss? Yeah. And I think you saw it with them walking off the field. You had guys slamming their helmets into the ground and – um, but I mean, also this team was very poised in the loss. I mean, I think you saw videos of LB Bunkley Shelton being harassed yeah. by a fan on the field that, I mean, that kind of discipline of walking off the field, I want to see on the field because yeah. penalties have been a problem all year. And I know somebody's like, well, how are you relating penalties to the situation off the field? It's the same thing. If you can have that composure with the fan in your face, walking off the field, you can have that kind of composure in a game as well. I agree. And and not all penalties. Um, let's talk this. Let's talk the targeting on Reggie Pearson. Total BS. Total BS. And I don't know. Venables needs to go to the NCAA, and he needs to protest against that this week and get Reggie Pearson back on the field because there was no way Reggie Pearson was going to correct that hit. No way he was going to correct no. Jason Bean slid in to his hit. That's, I mean, that's really what happened. Like You watch it. Jason Bean slid in. And, and he led with the shoulder, not with the crown of the helmet. And yeah. Jason Bean was not a – how can you be a defenseless player sliding on the goal line? No. And I'll say this, is I don't necessarily 100% agree that Jason Bean went to slide. If you look at it again from this perspective, it looks like he cut inside and his feet came out from underneath him too. And he knew he was going down, so he didn't bite it. But it doesn't look like he necessarily gave himself up. But it, re regardless, all th the, the, the two people calling the game, the rules expert, all were like, no, I mean, this is not targeting. This is He hits him with the shoulder first. You can Listen, this is, um, this is another situation with, oh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, quarterback, is, was it – who was it that was running? It was in the Big Ten – he was running. He faked like he was going to slide. Was it? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, because there's been, I think it's, is it McCarthy? No, no, no it wasn't McCarthy. Because I know who you're talking about. There's, there's been a lot of controversy around this because he, yeah, he does like this fake slide thing. He looks like he's going to slide and then he doesn't. I, I could have swore, man, I could have swore it was Kenny Pickett because I feel like it's two it years is. That's, ago. That's now. who it was. It was Kenny Pickett. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So he does the deal to where he goes, he fakes the slide. And I'm just saying is you cannot have a quarterback. You're asking. Yeah, you just can't do it. It's just not possible. So, yeah, if I'm Brett Venables, I'm going and I'm like, no. I'm give me my player this. back for next week. Like, give me, yes. give him to me the whole game. You took him out for the rest of the game. It was a hit to us. We lost the game. We're not going to argue that anymore. Give us my guy back, at least for the whole game. And, yeah. And then there's also the play where um, – the receiver went out of bounds and, and caught the ball. That one. 
that okay one that was a great catch like i like i sat there to watch it, it was like okay that was impressive i don't think i think they were trying to figure out did he establish himself before he caught the ball but it looked like his foot was still out of bounds before he caught the ball it's like the if you're going to go by the code of the rule that the player has to establish himself back in bounds the player did not establish himself back in bounds he incidentally at some point touched inbounds while he was shuffling to catch the ball still standing out of bounds see so, so, so what happened was in my point of view i don't know if you saw this he's out of bounds He's kind of shifting back in. He's got one foot in bounds, one foot in the air out of bounds. He bobbles the ball, then puts two feet in bounds and catches it. Yeah. And I don't know if they considered that because to me, I saw the bobble and I said, does that count? Like, should that be out or does that count of him or does he does that give him time to establish himself? Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out. And I think they were trying to figure out. And I just think they said. Screw it. He established himself. I don't think they had a clear. And and did we lose the game because of that? No. Did the defense need to play better? Yes. But again, when I say the start is your team's good. Are you good enough to to win through just the sideline warning, the Kindle Dolby thing, the targeting? If it was just those things, sure, we win this game. It was it just piss poor play calling by Levy again. Could we win through that? Yes, we could have. Could have we have won just if it was just a few injuries? Yes. But is this team good enough to overcome every single one of those things all in the same game? No. They're yeah, not. I mean, I don't think the injuries were as big of a problem as I think people are making them out to be because no. the defense still was playing well, but the problem was the same thing you had last week against UCF. They're out there too much. I don't care how many, how much competitive depth you have. Your defense can't play that much, and you expect no. them to play at a high level the entire game. Now they might get stops, they might play well, but they ain't gonna play that well. Yeah, and and, and I'll say this is um, in baseball. You know, when when you're in baseball, and if you're watching right now, um, let's go with a roll. This Chapman rolls out of the Rangers bullpen and throws an inning where they're up eight to two. He's just getting work in because it, he hasn't pitched. Like those are those 10 pitches that he throws in that inning mean a lot less than a tie game with a runner on second and third. And he comes in and throws 10 pitches. Not all plays are equally as filled with stress. So if, you know, the kudos to Kansas, if they saw it on film, but I just say, again, this is coaching ball goes off Marcus Stripling and we turn over the ball right outside the red zone. The defense has done their job or not done their job, allowed a score. Kansas kicks the ball off. We give it right back. The defense has an emotional swing where they're going. Yeah, that's because it's 10 times worse than a three and out. They've literally been out for the extra point and the kickoff, and now they're back on the field. That takes a toll on you, successful or not. Because that emotional strain of I got to go out there and bow up again is much harder than we've scored or we have to punt. And they know that in a normal succession of football, they got to come back on the field. So um, did we just lose because of 
penalties? No. Did we just lose because piss poor coaching? No. Did we just just lose because of issues of Dylan Gabriel's pick six? No. We lost because of all of them compiled together. We could have beat any two of them. We could have beaten potentially any three of them. Um, we should have still won that game. And but you got to go fix some issues. You got to talk to people and say, hey, listen, because can you tell Caden Green to, you know, I tweeted it out right when it happened is so what do the refs want Caden Green to do? That is a pancake. He mauled a man and got called for holding. It's crap. Um, Kendall Dolby, you and I disagree on this one a little bit. He's a smaller corner. Um, but we, I've seen it multiple times in the past couple of weeks where somebody lifts up our running back and throws him down to the ground and nothing's called. Uh, I've seen a couple of people stand over our guys here recently. Nothing's been called. The so problem is you've got that it. you're Oklahoma, you're leaving the yeah. conference and we know the great conspiracy theory. So if you're Oklahoma, yeah. you can't do stupid things like that. That's kind of where I was getting at. You can't do something stupid like that. Other teams are going to get away with stupid things. You're not. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's, uh, coaching my daughter. Uh, we played this team. Uh, by the way, if if you're watching this and you care, my daughter is uh, future humans win U.S. women's uh, soccer team uh, without any of the protesting. But um, she, we're playing this this team, and this girl is constantly putting her hands on my daughter, um, elbowing her, doing everything, and my daughter wants to react. And I said, "No, you're the best player on this field. The moment you react." Everybody's going to go up in arms because they want you to get thrown out of the game. They take you away. They're competitive. It's, it's, it's the same thing here. It's as Oklahoma, you got to go to the players and you got to say, play within yourself, do what you're supposed to do, but don't do anything extra with the celebrations and stuff. We're going to walk out of the conference. We're going to win the game. Let's go win the conference and let's walk out because that never goes away. You pushing somebody and getting a 15 yard penalty and then winning that never goes away. So if we go out as winners, there's nothing the Big 12 could do. They still have to post our name up there as the uh, 2023 Big 12 Conference champion. Yeah. But, I mean, to your point, though, there's a reason why Ethan Downs was able to get away with his stare down of Quinn Ewers and Kanak was not able to get away with his against UCF. Yeah. You're, pay you're playing Texas. They don't care. You're playing UCF. They care. Yeah, it is. So... Moving forward this week, you need to you need to have a kumbaya coming to Jesus meeting in the coaching staff. You need to have some kind of a I don't care what the practice looks like outside of somebody just yelling at a coach or just completely not giving a, a shite. You need to have running back one, two, and three and stick there. And there needs to be a good conversation. You need to say, listen, guys. We need to go out and win the game playing our brand of football. Um, Levy's comment on you want to run the ball and trust in our defense to keep them from going. No, you know what happens, Jeff? If you go score the GD ball and you run the clock out and play the game to win instead of like if, if, and if, if you run the – the same thing happens if you throw a pick. Same thing happens. So you might as well throw the damn ball and, and and play to win instead of thinking like, hey, we don't need to do anything here because our defense, you copped out. You're the damn offensive coordinator. For you to make a comment that I was willing to just hand them the ball back and let the defense win the game for us. That's that's junk. Uh, I, I, that comment is, is full on dog crap. 
Hundred percent agree with you. All right. I think we've made our peace with this game. Maybe. <laughs> Someday I will. Maybe. I don't know. Kansas is a hard one to get over. I, I talked about it yesterday and I said, you know what? I looked at all the losses last season and I looked at this one and I can't find one that hurts worse than Kansas. For some reason, the, <clears throat> even though Kansas is now six and two, the word Kansas and loss to Oklahoma that or Oklahoma lost to Kansas it just doesn't sit right with me. So I don't know. It, it might take me a little bit longer, but Coop, where can people find y'all's content at? Where can people find you at? Yeah, check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Unfair Sports. Uh, it's Jay and I. Uh, we'll be going live tonight at 6 p.m. to probably rehash some of this stuff. Uh, we got some cool guests coming up here, too. So uh, stay tuned. But Unfair Sports, check us out. All right. And if you guys haven't already, and you guys have made it to here, again, join the discussion. Share your thoughts on this heartbreaking loss for Oklahoma below. And if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that like and hit that subscribe button.